Stop! Sure you want the rest of it? Dirty Harry Miller Dirty Harry Welcome back to Dirty Harry Minute, the only podcast in the world to review every minute of that 1971 Warner Brothers classic, Dirty Harry. I'm one of your hosts, John, and I'm joined with usual co-host, Trent. Hey, John, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Uh, yeah, alive and well today. It's a beautiful winter's day here in Melbourne and, uh, yeah, love and life. The sun's out, it's a bit chilly. What about our second co-host, Tim One? Well, he's got paternal duties. Sorry, I just looked at Tim Two. At the at this second one, oh yeah, he's just sit, Tim, sitting at the other end of the table. So, but oh yes, um, yeah, our other friend Tim, um, baby duties. He should be back on the program very soon, possibly remotely. He's doing a uh, dirty daycare, I think, dirty dad daycare. But Tim, Tim too, welcome, Tim too. Hi, John. Thanks for having me back. You're welcome. And we have returning, recurring guests, Shane. Hey, g'day. And Mandy. Hello, everyone. Pleased to be here, Mandy. I'm stoked. Can't wait. Still haven't seen the movie? Still haven't seen the movie. (laughs) Well, one person that has seen the movie is, look, he's one part of Indiana Jones Minute, and I hear that he may have drummed the legendary Dick Dale we have. Indiana Jones Minute, we have Jerry Porter. Hello. Uh, Hey, how's it going? (laughs) Uh, very, Very happy to be here. We are very proud to invite you, Jerry, as one of the grandfathers of the Movies by Minute uh, project. Thank you for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Is that grandfather or godfather that you meant to say? It's a godfather minute. <laughs> Are you a big fan of Dirty Harry, Jerry? Uh, I am. I, I hadn't seen the movie in uh, decades, but uh, I did watch it, um, you know, when I, when I was younger. And it was really uh, it was really interesting to see it, you know, again, like, uh, I guess as an adult. I mean, I, I mean, I'm a little shocked that I was able to see it at the age I was able to see it. I mean, it's definitely a more mature film, but um, I do. It's it's a it's a fantastic uh, it's a fantastic movie, and and it certainly had a, a big influence on uh, you know movies later movies all coming out you know in the in the 70s and 80s and and even today. I agree wholeheartedly, Jerry. We are today reviewing minute. 86. The minute begins with Harry walking towards the palatial internal stairwell of City Hall and ends with the mayor reading out to the city of San Francisco. What did you think of this minute, Trent? Uh, This minute, I'm more preoccupied with um, a couple of links. A pivotal location in this is City Hall, San Francisco City Hall. Uh, It ties into another film. This segues to uh, Jerry's appearance on here. Uh, Indiana Jones will rate us a lost ark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that that blew me away actually. Just, just seeing the you know the 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 stairs in this minute, and um, you know this is this sounds ridiculous, but I can't believe that's indoors. Yeah, yeah, beautifully. Yeah, lit. like I th- like wa- watching it or remembering it, Raiders. I you know you know the 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 you know famous ending. 
you know, uh, of the movie where Indy is sort of trotting down the the stairs there. And then, you know, we, we see in this minute, Dirty Harry trotting up the stairs. I mean, honestly, that never occurred to me that that was inside. Yeah. Yeah. It's wasted indoors. It It looks really weird. Like all the lights are, you know, outdoor lights. Yeah. I reckon the most important film that this location appears in is 1985's A View to a Kill. Oh, right. With a 58-year-old Roger Moore. (laughs) 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 Is it really? Sucking his gut in in his shirtless scenes more than he had in any other James Bond uh, film. (laughs) Wow. What did you think of this minute, Shane? Uh, There's a lot of walking, a little bit of disappointment that um, we're going to play ball with the criminal and I'm not sure it seems like it's a it's a segue between action sequences or more energetic sequences do you like the hero shot we have of of Harry from below low angle as he's trotting up the stairs yeah yeah it's good it's an impressive looking building it'd be fun to shoot there I suppose I'm um I was half expecting to see Harry's yellow bag Sort of like he's running up the stairs to meet um, maybe Scorpio's got him to go to the city hall this time instead of um, to another phone box. <laughs> Have you been to city hall, um, Jerry? Uh, I've never, never to the San Francisco one. No, I've, I've been to the Van Nuys courthouse <laughs> in Los Angeles. What were you appearing there to defend yourself against? <laughs> yeah. I trotted up the like two or three steps. It, it's it's not nearly as iconic or or you know sexy as as this city hall is. I, that's why I don't really think I don't know. I can't think of a single damn movie that's filmed at the Van Nuys City Hall. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't seen such uh, Shane such delicious wooden paneling as in Blazing Saddles, you know that scene, <laughs> or um, maybe Police Academy Six. Beautiful wood finishing. Well, the, wasn't there those wood panel kind of, um, what movie am I, am I thinking of with the station wagon, with the wood panel design? Are they Caddyshack movies? or I'm thinking National Lampoon's yeah, Chevy Chase. <laughs> that's a beautiful amount of wood in that Griswold family truckster. <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> Do they really exist in America, Jerry? The sort of station wagon family style that have fake wooden paneling along the side? Oh, absolutely. Okay. 100%. I mean, what's, what's interesting is you don't really see them now, but, uh, you know, growing up, certainly in the, definitely in the 70s, I mean, my family had one with, like, the wood paneling. I mean, it's it's like a strange throwback to, like, you know, the woody, which which you'd see, I think, in the 30s or 40s, sometimes the 50s. It's, it's almost like now you see them, like um, – refurbished usually in like surf culture like if you go to malibu you'll see like these these old woody type almost like pre-station wagons and they all have surfboards on top and it's just like kind of a you know a, a 40s or 50s vibe but i can't figure it out because you're like is it supposed to sort of celebrate like like the conestoga wagon like what? <laughs> I don't know what it's <laughs> celebrating. Right. When you see a station wagon, I mean, it's got wagon in the title, and then it's a car, but it's got this wood paneling, and in in theory, like it's carting the entire family. 
like, you know, the Jode family from the Grapes of Wrath or something <laughs> on, on a family vacation. or I, I don't know. I, but I'll tell you this. We had one. <laughs> I'm glad to know that it's a real thing. Yeah, yeah it's a real thing. It's I mean, very you nostalgic, them, it You don't seems see like. them as much these days, but I, th- I think that's more a tragedy. I thought it might have been just like a film trope where it's like all phone numbers start with 555 and all family cars have wood on the outside for some reason. Now, I just want to find out, you know, I guess I've been waiting a long time for this, but is it real wood on those cars or is it like faux wood? (laughs) That's got to be, it's got to be like a vinyl kind of. That's a great question. I mean, if you get those old time ones from back in the day, yes. What? Yeah, it is. As far as I could tell. I mean, it's it's almost like they they ad hoc plastered a wagon on it. (laughs) Not the '70s style one, though. Surely. No, no, the '70s style one. It's it's like uh, (laughs) I don't know. It's it's almost like a holdover or like a a vestigial organ that you'd see. You're like, dude, you're not fooling anybody. We know that's not wood. And it's not. So I, I I don't know what it is. I mean, quote, for style, I guess. <laughs> we have um, uh, Bressler comes off the balustrade and he's, he introduces Callahan to the secretary, Millie. What, what, is that necessary, Mandy? Does he really need to... This two-second interaction? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. Is this, you know, one step forward for feminism back then? I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't have a great answer I think that. this is really an interesting scene because uh, what he says is, honey, this is Inspector Callahan. Mm. And so I'm thinking, is this his spouse behind the desk? <laughs> ah, okay. Is, it, is, this, is this a love interest or and then if you look to the right of the screen, you see this big, beautiful white bouquet of flowers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I thought maybe there's some sort of yeah, there's love in the air in the office. <laughs> this particular scene, I'm, I'm guessing uh, this shot, I should say, was actually shot in San Francisco. The only way I can reason I'm telling you that is that actress has two credits to her name: this film, uncredited, and an episode. Uh, well, sorry, the pilot of the streets of San Francisco. Yeah. So there you go. Wow. <laughs> Andy Robinson had a guest star in uh, one of those episodes. Oh, did he? Yeah, we, we understood that um, Warner Brothers' Don Siegel got permission from the mayor at the time to film. So yeah, it's definitely uh, San Francisco City Hall, 1971. I'm just really disappointed in this scene, Tim, because I thought we finally might get to see the famous on your ass seat that Harry was sitting on at the start of the movie waiting for the mayor. But um, no. <laughs> what would you do to that seat if you had access to it, John? I'd sit on it. Yeah, good. <laughs> they don't light hallways in this film, do they? <laughs> this this scene's during the day, isn't it? Yeah, bright sunny day. It's bloody dark in there. And if you look at the the candid photos of that location now, it's beautifully lit, illuminated by natural light outside. So I wonder. I'm guessing they did that shot at night. Yeah. The seams are coming undone. Then oh. Raiders are... Sorry. Oh, oh, sorry. I didn't mean go. to jump in. Or is it symbolic? Like, I've been sort of having this kind of idea of um, walking into the belly of the beast. Mm. You know, like, mm. it's, and even with this scene where they're in the very dark corridor and they're mm. just lit and then they're dark again and then they're lit and then they're yeah. dark again. It's all kind of symbolic of, of, you know, this dark place where... 
things might get done or they might not. I don't know. Yeah. That's a very good point. With that hallway that they walk down, I mean, during the day, there's no way in hell that that hallway is going to be that dark. I mean, it's a functioning <laughs> office. Mm. Yeah. It's a lawsuit waiting to happen. Yeah, yeah right. There's workplace rules around that. Yeah. Even back then, there would have been. I don't know. I mean, as, as, we, as we discussed earlier, there's love in the reception area. Who knows what goes on in that darkened hallway? Mood lighting in the hallway. Maybe, maybe it's inviting. I think mm. it's. I think clearly it's a farting hallway. You got a bit of gas. It's like I'll just go down to there and uh, let, it, <laughs> let, it, let it absorb. This, this again ties back to Indiana Jones. Um, for one reason, just before we started the recording, we were watching the episode or oh, the seven minutes Harrison Ford appears in of uh, one episode of the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. <laughs> and and the the the, the mini saxy plays, and sure. you can sort of um, picture some of that music. Imin- I can't even speak English today. A playing, shall we say, as they walk down that uh, darkened hallway. That- <laughs> you know, it's funny. I saw that episode when it aired. Oh, wow. Originally, and and never again. <laughs> I, I saw it once when it first aired here in about 1994, but um, today was the first time I'd revisited just that scene since then, yeah. <laughs> it's cra- What's crazy is that apparently wasn't even the first episode. No, it was m- midway through, yeah. Yeah. And like, I, I was sick at home from school or something like that, and it came on and I thought, what the hell? He's actually, what, that's him in this episode? Very strange. It is. Yeah, it is. Jerry, um, is it strange that Bressler, maybe he's not allowed in the room with the mayor unsupervised and the mayor won't let him in unless Harry's there because he's got bad coffee breath or something? Like, it seems to be, you know, Harry, quick, come here, come here. I need to go in the room. The mayor won't let me in there unless you're in there. You know, I agree. That is really strange. I don't know why that's the case. Otherwise, you know, this whole movie is kind of strange because they all keep coming to Dirty Harry and yet then they, they... Kind of scold Dirty Harry, and they and they, you know, they don't welcome his his tactics. Which you know, I, I mean, hell, his name is Dirty Harry, but but yet they keep inviting him in, and then they kind of make him unwelcome, and then they try and control him and tell him what to do and what not to do. But then, of course, they they invite him back in again later. And and what I really like is, you know, one of the last scenes we see with Dirty Harry. And, and the government and the bureaucracy of it is he's like, you know, go find yourself another delivery boy. Meaning like he's made a decision here. You know, like this is all, all this push and pull. It's finally broken the camel's back. You know what I mean? He's yeah. like, I'm done with all this. We haven't checked in with Bressler for a while. Are you a big fan of him, Shane? Harry Gardino? Do you think he, he just shakes his head a lot and rubs, gee, gee, mister, he doesn't really... He's not in control at all. Shame. Yeah, they probably could have done without him. He sort of seems like that cop, the French cop in Taken. You know, he's been on his, he's been behind a desk for too long. He can't tell when a gun doesn't have its bullets in it. And <laughs> you know what? I, I feel like all the people in positions of authority in this movie are uh, just ineffectual. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's by design, isn't it? I, I mean, almost in a cartoonish way like i can't figure out what the mayor is doing like because because you know in this minute he's you know he he's he's saying you know like oh we need a a jet with volunteers and you're kind of like wait a minute what's going on like who who is the mayor 
Like, who is he talking to? Like, Delta <laughs> Airlines? <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, who's on the other end of the phone? Volunteers, I think, because tell the staff that you're going to be a skeleton crew for this criminal. This is not a regular flight. It's not at mm. all going to seem like a regular flight. And you don't, you don't want to put staff in that situation, but you do need a crew. Mm, an experienced crew. Yeah, that's the yeah. way I read it. Yeah, anyway. no, that makes sense. Yeah, I think he's he's asking for informed consent, isn't he? Which is going to be tough in half an hour. <laughs> uh, but it, does the mayor have a plan? Is it, or or is he just uh, you know, is he just capitulating to what Scorpio is demanding? I think that. Yeah, I think that. Yeah. He's totally caving. Yeah. He doesn't have an idea, so he's just going to do what he's told. I mean, at the beginning, he's like, we're going to buy more time. And you're like, sure, I I get that, you know, they're going to somehow buy some time and then do a little investigating. They're going to, like, trail them or figure it out, look for clues. maybe. To, you know, what, what's crazy is the complete and utter lack of investigation in this movie. And, 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 and what's funny is, you know, spoilers here, at the very, very end, Dirty Harry throws away his, his badge that says on it, Inspector. And I'm like, that's because no one has inspected anything. <laughs> like, the, the entire movie, there's no inspection. I can't, like, the, the mayor's, nobody's, there's all sorts of... <laughs> You know, he like Scorpio frames Dirty Harry that he got beaten up, but the, nobody's checking fingerprints. They're not asking anything. They're not asking witnesses. They're not doing anything. They're not consulting a clairvoyant. They're not reading the tea <laughs> yeah. leaves. They're not lifting a finger in any way. This is such an there's, a, there's, point. there's literally no investigation or inspection going on. But of course, investigation is to determine who the guilty are. This movie's the straw man, the fact we know who the killer is, but it's a system that, I mean, what do you need to investigate? They all know who it is. It's just about how they pin it on him. I've got a nice quote here from Clint. Dirty Harry touched a nerve because we felt up to our necks in bureaucratic inefficiency. What Dirty Harry was saying was, if you have to fill out 15 copies of every report, the felon will have time to commit another crime before you're finished even putting the lid Back on your pen. There comes a time when you have to stop stalling. Well, he really solved that, I think, for mm. planet Earth. <laughs> because I don't yeah. come across that at all anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's fascinating about this movie is just, you know, watching it as an American. And you're like, this is so much part of the American cowboy vigilante, you know, like it's, you know, I'm going to take the law into my own damn hands and I'm doing it now. It's so much that vibe and, and, and watching it, you know, it's, it's fascinating watching it in 1971 and watching it in 2019. And <laughs> there's just this unbelievable fungus that's on Americans brains <laughs> that they that that they can actually you know go out and just single-handedly 
solve crimes without any protocol at all. It's 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 like that that cowboy always is making the right decision, you know, and 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 he's the quick street justice vigilante. And you're like, no, that's awesome in Hollywood, and we love it. But <laughs> how does that work in real life? It's 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 you know. I mean, it's it's sometimes it's cool and sometimes it's like, oh, whoa, whoa. I just like I just shot like the door to door vacuum salesman. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know how you guys feel about that down there (laughs) or how it translates. But I, I mean, that's what's really interesting is is how much this story is is a fabric of American culture. By the way, I should I should clarify that statement is I, I I dig where the movie's coming from is just you can't do anything because of everything is 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 a swamp of bureaucracy. I mean I do understand that point of it as well. <laughs> how frustrating that that would be, and it is how, how ineffectual all these people are who are in positions of authority. Even in this minute, you walk in and there's a big sign that says the mayor. Over the guy's <laughs> office. <laughs> and you're just like, you know, the mayor can't do a damn thing. Someone on uh, line said, he, you know, a mayor these days couldn't even organize an Uber. And yet this, because the mayors here don't have any power, Jerry. It's just a minor municipal uh, authority, you know, has no control <laughs> over, over judges. It's just a titular head, not even a, it's a part-time position here in most most Australian states, yeah. uh, cities. On a lighter note, is that a picture of the moon landing in the background? Nah. Wow, you have to squint. <laughs> what is it? Or Twilight Zone outtake? What is it? It's a picture of the darkened hallway. <laughs> <laughs> do you think, guys, wow. that do you think the mayor knew about Harry's uh, Miranda violations? Do you reckon that filtered up to him? Do you reckon the mayor has an opinion on Harry's uh, breaking of constitutional rights? I'd say yes. Mm-hmm. I'd say because if it ever got out to uh, media or whatever, he'd have to be the one uh, answering the questions about it. So, yeah. you know, he, he'd he'd want to be in on the know. Oh, mayor, just in case... Sorry, mayor, um, <laughs> just in case there's any uh, issues. <laughs> um, I used to, When I was a kid, I used to think it was called mayor. And then I used to get smacked. No, it's mayor in Australia. Um, but, the, um, but yes, anyway, I think that, uh, yeah, it, like if it got out and he didn't know about it, he'd have to be on his toes ready to answer questions about that violation. Tim, do you like the mayor? We only see him twice in the movie, but he, he sticks he sticks out. Like He's sort of like Donald Pleasance in Halloween. He, he's, he stamps his uh, himself over this movie. What do you think? Oh, no, look... Hey, he hasn't really made an impression on me, I'd have to say, John. Do you think he'd be a good a good guest at dinner parties? He'd be a good uh, a uh, mayor, you know? I think Bresler's more entertaining. I was just reflecting really? quietly <laughs> here that um, I think the first minute I did on this show, or, or certainly one of the early ones, was um, uh, kind of like this. It was the scene when, you know, someone had gone missing and they were getting the ransom note and um, Bresler was, uh, you know, just... Well, back then he had a pair of panties to sniff, and I think this is this is a bit different. You know, he's out of his depth now, but he's still entertaining. Yeah, 
let me let me ask you guys: is is anybody likable in this movie? We sort of like Chico's wife in a lovely green jacket, slightly. Oh, flirting. that's an amazing green jacket. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. One thing I remember about that this movie that that is one hell of a jacket. And we, I mean, Chico is. I like Chico, right? Yeah. Kind of, I mean, yeah. We're supposed to like Chico. He's 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 presented as likable, right? He is. Mm. Yeah. We'd like to see more about him. He's mentioned in the sequel, Magnum Force, as being a teacher now. So we're grateful that he survived in the in the timeline. But we don't really get to see much of him at all. You know. No. Yeah. Well, well, there's a there's a verb strongly associated with him that Dirty Harry uses. He calls him, uh, or he, he says he's quitting. Quitting. Yeah. What? And you're like, that's a little harsh. It's a I loaded mean, he's, word. He's quitting. The dude's yeah. been shot like three times or whatever. <laughs> you know, but but then Harry, of course, says, you know, and he's right to do so. Yeah. Yeah. We also had some affection for the liquor proprietor, Jerry, but we didn't think <laughs> he la- he laughed too much at the spousal abuse joke. He didn't slap Scorpio down for that spousal abuse joke. But aside from that, we liked his verve. His moxie. <laughs> he is. He's a little. He's a little cocksure, though. He's like, I keep it right here where it's safe, and he pulls it out and points. You're like, dude, what are you <laughs> doing, man? What are you doing? Like, he pulls a gun out and points it at a customer. <laughs> I like that Q character. Um, a bit of a ripoff, but no, he was great. The, the little earpiece that he gives. Oh yeah, Harry. the guy that yeah, ha- Harry's AV guy. <laughs> yeah. Him the, yeah. Just oh, bring yeah, it back to cool. me in one piece. That guy. So some minor players have, um, yeah, are quite likable, and all the main players maybe not. <laughs> um, Scorpio apparently just delivers this message FedEx to the mayor. There's no cool delivery system. He doesn't leave it in the park disguised as a bomb. Uh, he doesn't leave it on a rooftop TV antenna. He's just oh god, he just sends it straight to the mayor. Even even Scorpio's, um, you know. Annoyed at the the predictability of this script, like let's just get this movie finished. I, I sort of noticed that his crimes become more spontaneous, like that they start off uh, very distant and sniping, and then and then it's like more intimate and kid like burying and kidnapping, and now like where it's going is is just more spontaneous, taking more risks. So that that the letter arrives like that kind of fits with that, I guess. We've already seen one kidnapping, and that ended up horribly, right? Now he's got a school bus of kids. But in real life, it seems like kidnapping's a crime of desperation. You know, like you've got hostages, a bank robbery's gone wrong, an assault's gone wrong. Then you capture someone as a last resort. But back then, movies, it was like, wow, kidnapping kids, that's horrible. I mean, it is horrible. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's escalating. I think that's why they did it. That is a brilliant point that I, I, you know, when the, the fact that I feel like, you know, that you, you said Scorpio, he, he's getting more, I don't know, he's becoming less focused mm-hmm. in, in, his, in his criminal activity to the point where we're getting at the end. He's like, I want a jet. Yeah. And you're like, dude, what are you going to do with a jet? <laughs> like, I mean, where are you going to go? And he's like, well, I'll let the pilot know. And you're like, no, nah, come on. Like, you, you don't have, I mean, this is weird. Like, you get the impression, maybe in the first 30 minutes of the movie, you're like, now nah, here's a guy who's nuts and he's crazy, but he, like, I think he's, for some reason I feel this is, he's got a plan. 
You know, in, in his own mind, he's going to kill people symbolically or there's going to be some sort of plot or, or uh, some, some sort of uh, meaning yeah. to his madness and a methodology to it that's <laughs> going to make sense. And then as the movie progresses, you're like, I don't know what the, why this guy is kidnapping or killing people. I mean, other than just pure sadism. Which, and he can't get he can't get away with the like you're in a jet everybody knows where you are and when you yeah. land you're totally don't forget dog day afternoon hasn't come out yet he doesn't know how mm. all those plans lead to your demise <laughs> unless he's going to do that thing where you just jump out with your parachute like the jet ha- the jet has to land yeah <laughs> and then it lands in a big public place uh, there seems like there's no plan. It's not like you can just jump out and disappear. In the jungles somewhere. He'll you know. blend in. He'll disappear. He'll get to Kyra before. <laughs> <laughs> he would. He might have taken a parachute. So there's, you know, there's possibilities. He might be a bush. Doesn't he just man. have to go to Mexico? Isn't that what everyone does when they <laughs> commit a crime in America? I'm going to find Chico's parents and kill them. Right. Oh, why, of course. You just parachute out in Mexico. You take like a good, you know, like 15 minutes, 20 minutes to float down. (laughs) The Mm. entire country can see where you're going. (laughs) Big green parachute. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's pretty much all I have for this minute, guys. Um, I suppose he, the letter's always to the city of San Francisco. Don't you think uh, some miscreant like Scorpio would go, hey, fuckers, or, you know, why is he addressing <laughs> it to the populace at large? Mm. He's got a garage. It's not, it's not very um, crystallized. He hasn't really figured exactly out what he's trying to do and why and how he's going to get away with it or why he doesn't need to. Yeah. But, yeah, he's got a grudge. What's, what's interesting is it's like they just sort of seem to be painting him as just completely mad. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's he's just a madman. Like like, you know, most people in California. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Like you, Jerry, like you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can relate. Well, many thanks for joining us, Jerry. Um can we talk you into coming back for one more minute? No, oh, absolutely. I'd be I'd be happy to. I think that, that there's a lot more we've got to uh investigate. like harry refuses to all right many thanks for joining us tim yeah that's no worries thanks guys mandy thank you trent many thanks jerry thank you we'll catch you next time on give me land lots of land under starry skies above don't fence me in Let me ride through the wide open country that I love Don't fence me in Let me be by myself in the evening breeze Listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees Send me off forever but I ask you please Don't fence me in Don't fence me in